What's up, everybody? On this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we dive into the NBA playoffs. We discuss the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We also touch base on both uh, Game 7s. And we also talk about the NBA draft lottery and the, and, and the, trade, and the trade possibilities of AD and where he could possibly land moving forward in the upcoming weeks. We also discuss uh, the NFL, the Jets dysfunction, and how crazy New York sports teams in a whole can be when it comes to the overall dysfunction. So make sure you guys tune in on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here once again on this lovely evening, non-rainy Wednesday night with my two boys, Al E. What's good? Uh, it's another beautiful day in the neighborhood. The rain stopped. Uh, the sun is out. The grass is green. The flowers are going. Pollen is flowing. And um, talking about pollen. <laughs> and it's finally spring, so you know how that goes. Hey, hey, knock on wood, sir, because you never know it's going to be 50 degrees next week. <laughs> right about that. But it's damn sure going to be 80 this weekend. <laughs> true, true, true. That is true. I mean, even though you mentioned about the pollen, you know, it's also the time for allergies. So I have to be very careful with that so that I don't get too involved with all the outside activities. <laughs> so, no. Outside of that, I'm ready to get started. But, you know, it's crazy how as a kid we would sit out there and be outside all day and didn't care about it. <laughs> which is true, which is true, which is, yeah. makes me wonder how did I even get this in the first place now? <laughs> it first hit me in uh, junior high school with a, with a headache and then it just rolled ever since. But my quick rant about pollen is I hate the damn yellow stuff that gets all on your cars, all on everything, the handles, tires, inside the car. How does the pollen get inside the crease of the car when you open the car door? The door ain't even open. It just kind of just falls in there. You see like... <laughs> Haze and yellow in between the car where you shut it at, in between the handles, the locks. How does it get on the locks of the car when you kind of pull it open? Sorry, didn't mean that. <laughs> Tell them why you're asking. Wasn't expecting that, but hey, we can start there. Definitely Dude, start I, there. Man, yo, pollen is my worst nightmare. You know what I'm saying? This time of year is like the absolute worst for me. I'm just happy I haven't gotten any sinus infections or anything because of how bad the pollen has been this year. So I can knock on table for that. <laughs> I think we all can at this, at this point. Right. Yes. right. So fellas, before we talk about the, the elephant in the room, which is the NBA draft, let's kind of just do a, a little quick recap of the game sevens that took place. Uh, I guess we could start with Toronto and Philly. I would like to say that that was a very entertaining series. And I'm actually very happy that the, the 76ers brass didn't fire uh, the coach for the 76ers because some of the stuff, though, they played uninspiring ball during some games of the either series, you know, both series that they played in. You know, some of the things they couldn't control as far as uh, Embiid being slowed down due to injuries or illness or whatever it was, and the certain things that couldn't, you know, beyond his control. So, I'm happy they didn't, you know, jump the gun and just automatically fire the coach just because. And that they're going to go ahead and, you know, follow the process and see what happens next year when they get healthy 
and possibly re-sign uh, Jimmy Butler and maybe uh, the other cat from Tobias Harris from uh, from the Clippers. So, with that being said, you know we all got to talk about the shot that Kawhi hit, which was like the longest shot ever to kind of go through the hoop. So, I'm just, what are you guys' take on the series? Uh, what's your guys' thoughts? Well, I'll say that I actually kind of missed the actual that portion of the game because I was watching um, Game of Thrones um, season five. Which you is suck, like, sir. That <laughs> you suck. However, more <laughs> <laughs> highlights. So. <laughs> AC took the words right out of my mouth, man. Sorry, I'm a Game of Thrones fan. It's this final season. One more episode left to go. I value that more than in at this point. So, with that being said. Uh, yes, this um, series went seven games. I don't think it should have went seven games. Probably should have ended probably in five or six. Um, the Sixers definitely played some very lackluster, uninspired basketball at times. Um, when Embiid is on um, and he's playing well, um, they are a very tough team to beat. Um, when he's not, they're a very flat team. And in this in this game, it was going back and forth. I mean. Um, it could have easily, easily went into overtime. Um, but Kawhi Leonard definitely with the 41 points, that last shot. I mean, what can be said? I mean, it was skilled to be able to get this shot off. This damn sure luck that he got the ball in the hole with, with four bounces. So, um, it was an up and it was an up and down game. Um, the Sixers, I think, um, I, I agree with you. I agree with you, Ace. I'm glad he didn't fire Brett Brown. That would have been a knee jerk reaction to um, just how some playoff series goes. I mean, this is one of those you know, playoff series where Embiid was sick for a few games. He was sick and came back and played really, really good. And he was sick and played really, really bad. People were getting mm-hmm. on him. Um, inconsistency, defensive breakdowns, lack of bench shooting. Ben Simmons, he needs to go in the offseason and work with someone to get a damn jumper or even the semblance of a jumper. If he was even get something that was even mildly respectable, that would open up that entire Sixers offense, you know, 10 times. I mean, hell, you got Joel, Joel, Joel Embiid out there hitting threes more than you got, you know, Ben Simmons. Um, right. It goes back to that comment that Jared Dudley made where he said he was just a half-court, you know, he wasn't a half-court person. He was just like a up-and-down fast-break player, and everybody got on him. But he wasn't lying. He was telling the damn truth. So there are some glaring issues with the sitting series that they need to fix. Um, is Ben Simmons' shot fixable? I have no freaking clue. But apparently no one in the sitting series organization has deemed to figure out to want to fix it. Butler probably should stay. Um, he may go if something with New York happens where they don't get Kyrie or or Kevin Durant, I can see them doing a knee-jerk reaction to getting Jimmy Buckets, which they don't need. Butler needs to stay where he's at. Um, but um, the Sixers are almost there. They just need a few pieces to get into the mix. Toronto, we're going to see. Because, <laughs> I mean, outside of, you know, not having um, Kawhi Leonard last year, this team is virtually almost the same exact team except for two people not there. So. Um, for me, 
This is put up and shut up time for Toronto, um, but it was a great series. Um, both game seven was a series. I was so mad at Denver because like, they damn sure gave that game up. It was right there in the palm of their hands, but they're too young to know how to close. They close that game. They're playing in game one. They probably don't do what they but we'll get to the Golden State Warriors, but they just didn't know how to close that game, and they left the door open, and Portland walked right through and slammed it right in their face, so it was some great games. Actually, this, these second round of playoffs have been really good. You know, all games have been really good. Um, like I said, I didn't think the Sixers series needed to go seven, but I was glad the Portland Trailblazers, I mean, the Portland Trailblazers and the Utah Jazz went seven. That was an entertaining series from start to finish. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think, to be honest, this second round series has definitely been a lot more entertaining than last year's performance, that's for sure. And it looks like the conference finals will be entertaining as well, especially the Eastern Conference now with Toronto sealing their deal and Milwaukee doing their thing with Boston. Um, but I thought the Toronto-Philadelphia series, with that being said, was very entertaining. Um, it had everything um, there. Um, I, to be honest, it was 50-50 for me. I could see either one of the teams winning. Um, it's just that Kawhi is a different type of player. And he is carrying Toronto right now, not only to all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. And you got to show respect for that. I mean, for, for a person that everybody's talking maybe out after this year, for him to do what he's doing and – for Toronto to be where they are is, is truly remarkable. With that being said, I think Philadelphia does have some issues with their bench. Um, they definitely didn't – they they lead more from their bench, per se. Um, but it's going to be difficult to keep all five players with Ben Simmons, Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick um, as well, Tobias Harris – Joel Embiid. So someone's going to have to give, whether it's going to, like you said, whether it's Jimmy Butler or Tobias Harris or both of them. Um, I think this team is going to be different than what they are have right now. I think there's going to be some roster changes, some big roster changes to balance everything out. Kudos for them to keep Brett Brown. It was definitely not on him per se. Um, this was just more so of, hey, you win some, you lose some. And if it wasn't for that shot, who knows where they would have been in overtime, who would have had won that actual series. So the ownership is not on Brett Brown. So I think kudos for Elton Brand for keeping him and extending his contract um, to see where it takes them going forward. Now, with that being said, we'll see what happens in that, in that case in regards to who stays and who goes. I agree with you in regards to the Denver-Portland series, you know, it was theirs for the taking. Denver had every opportunity. Dame Leonard wasn't Dame Leonard in game six or game seven. And or game, and, one. And, or game one. Or game <laughs> one. Or game one. So the, he wasn't the Dame Leonard that should have been there. And also helps me. I mean, to be honest, on a side note, I'm thinking that there's something that's actually wrong, like an injury that is preventing him to be you know, maybe it could be the hamstring. I don't know. But it's definitely something because he's not the same Dame Leonard, especially after what I saw last night with the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, with that being said, C.J. McCullen is coming on his own now. I mean, he's basically coming out. Uh, this is his coming out party. 
um, per se. Um, he's now getting the spotlight. When you see Dame Leonard now deferring to C.J. McCullen to close out the game in game seven, that shows a lot right there. And Denver, it was everything was there for them, and they just couldn't close it out. And they're a young team. They'll definitely get it together. Um, I think that, you know, this is another notch. For them not being in the playoffs last year to being in a second, in the semifinals, I think it's still a remarkable achievement. Um, but Portland, you know, being as though that they were bounced, swept last year to get to where they are right now is also remarkable. But they definitely have to play better than what they're playing right now if they want to keep up with Golden State. I, I, I love the fact that Dane, I like to refer to him as Dane Dollar. But I love <laughs> <laughs> I love his attitude as far as he's happy with where he is and he's content with the fact that whatever happens in his career in Portland, that he's content being where he is and that he's just going to let the seasons play out and just be what it is. And I, I think the series will go six. I think Golden State would prevail just because if any if game one was any indication of how Portland's gonna play, obviously you could tell just by their performance that the game is a little bit bigger than they are right now. Not to say that they can't go into in game two and steal a game, but you know, they're obvious where you can see where the experience of Golden State and Portland is being hot and you know, and gritty and just playing basketball is where they're at right now. And, you know, I, I appreciate that because, one, it's just, it's just something new. It's fresh. You know, you don't mind watching the, the, the Western Coast Finals because it's not – well, it's Golden State, but it's not, it's, it's not some other regular team that we're used to seeing. So I, I, do, I do predict that probably Portland will probably come out and still game two. Because they can't play any worse than they played in game one and still be in it for three and a half quarters before uh, Golden State decided, or maybe three quarters, where Golden State decided that they wanted to put the, you know, put the clamp down and really start pulling away. So if they can just, like, you know, we discussed yesterday with some ball movement, a little bit of defense, and balls start dropping in the net for them, game one was a much, it would be a much different story. It would have been a lot closer. I'm not saying Portland would have won. But it would have been a hell of a lot closer than what it what it turned out to be. Um, switching gears over to the East, uh, well, we know right now that the uh, the uh, Milwaukee Toronto series is going on, and I believe it's about to go into halftime. I thought Milwaukee was about to get blown out the water, but it looks like they're coming back and making a game of it going into halftime. So I'm curious to see if Milwaukee is going to come off with the same type of lethargic type of play that they played against Boston in game one. And then this side, all right, we're going to stop playing with these jokers and just come out there and just throttle the rest of the series. But we all know Kawhi is just a different beast. And also, I need to give props to Kawhi. Um, you know, I never really – I gave him his respect because when he was San Antonio, you know, he played well. But you always kind of just think, figured that was this pop system. And pop just got the best of – above average players and a few stars and this had this great run of so many playoff teams. But Kawhi is really quietly a leader and a, and a top player in this league. 
And I, I definitely got to give him props for that. You know, I, I don't know how far he's going to take him. I don't know if he'll come out of the Eastern, Coast, uh, Eastern Conference Finals, but it would be – I would be very disappointed if Toronto couldn't retain him and possibly try to lure another star to come in Toronto to play with him because he could take that team to another height, you know, if he decides to stay and they could get – they don't even necessarily got to get an AD, but it just needs somebody that can compliment him and give him 20 and 10 when he puts up 30 and, you know, 30 and 8 and 8, whatever. Well, he already has that in Piaf Sockham. Oh, then maybe a double-double, a double-double dude. You know, somebody that's consistently a double-double, somebody that can get him 15 and 10 every game. Um, I need a little more for Kyle Lowry, in my opinion. Yeah, he's hit or miss. I mean, That's he's what I said. Gonna... A little more consistency with him, they need. But yeah, he's. I feel you. He's 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 always been good, and I think, like you said, not being in the pop system is just that's what um, I think you're starting to see. You know, a broader game for him. Um, yeah. So, do I think they can actually retain him? I think they can. Will he want to stay? Is the question. Um, so right now, I mean. I would have loved to see how this team would have matched up with the Cleveland Cavaliers last year. Um, a team that's Kawhi when they came into that series scared the way they came into the way the Raptors were last year. I mean, they just lost, the, you know, they lost the first game and they just defeated at that particular point. This team is a team that have that kind of scare mentality that the other team had last year. So I've been curious to see how they would have matched up with Cleveland last year. Hmm. That is interesting. Um, that would have been a very interesting scenario. And to be honest, if they had this team last year against Cleveland, I would have bet again. I would have put my money on Toronto yeah. at this stage. Yeah. Um, it, I think that the opportunity is there for either one, either team at this stage. Milwaukee, Toronto. Um, to be honest, you could even throw Philly in the mix as far as the Eastern Conference is concerned because. It seems though like the East is a lot more open now that, of course, LeBron is gone and Cleveland is an afterthought. But it also shows that Toronto could be, if they keep Kawhi Leonard, they could be the new Cleveland at this stage. Um, having a superstar in, in Kawhi Leonard, um, having a second man in Piao Sockham, um, I think it would definitely work out. Not saying that um, Kyle Lowry is Kyrie in any shape or form, but he is a good player. So they could be this version of the new version of the Cleveland Cavaliers, so to speak. And that's if Kawhi stay. Because if not, then Milwaukee definitely has that advantage going forward. Hmm. Well, you know, I'm wrapping up the playoffs as it stands right now. If you guys had to sit there and pick a winner from the Eastern and the Western, who wins and how many games? Go. I already know who you already picked. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, actually, you've been picking the same team for a while now. Milwaukee? Uh, Milwaukee and uh, Golden State? Yeah, I mean, I, well, in how many games, though? I don't know. Um, I have to see how Golden, uh, Milwaukee responds being down. I think it's eight going into halftime. When they were really getting the asses handed to them in the first quarter, so to be down eight, that's a pretty pretty good thing. Um, I think it might go. I think it probably goes seven. Um, 
And I think that just because I think it's this Milwaukee's turn and then Golden State obviously going six. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Say that at the end part. You said Milwaukee and then – And then you said who between? Golden State and six. Oh, Golden State and six against Milwaukee? No, Golden State and six versus uh, – Oh, Portland. Portland. Okay, I got you, got you. Uh, you know, let's see. You know I say? I, the safest pick was probably Golden State, but I would just – I would preference this as – which is interesting, as bad as Toronto, I mean, um, Toronto, as bad as the Trailblazers played and they had 21 turnovers, as bad as they were looking very lethargic in a bad defensive scheme, they should have got their ass blown out. And they did not get blown out. I mean, it was not that – the score – I don't think it was that out of hand. Um, I think the momentum and the dagger threes made it seem like it was worse than what it was. But the Golden State Warriors didn't play, you know, they played good ball, but they didn't play, like, complete dominant ball. They should have really blown that team out the way they were playing. And I think Portland came in there, their legs was a little shot from that, you know, in the last series. They looked a little winded, a little lethargic on defense, very lethargic on defense. And they basically just let Golden State do whatever they wanted to do. It was almost like they kind of just threw up their hands at a certain point and just said, well, screw it. But I think, you know, I think everybody needs to pump their brakes on whether or not Golden State can play a lot better without Kevin Durant. They can win games without him. I'm under the belief that I don't think they can win the whole chip without him. And um, we only got, what, Two and a half game sample size. So, well, actually, two, two and a quarter sample size. So, I think this Trailblazers series might be a little more competitive than some people are, are saying that it's not. So, I think it goes six with the Warriors eking out a, a win, but I think it goes six. And this goes six. And this goes six without Kevin Durant because I don't think Kevin Durant is going to come back this series. So you think if they go up 2-0, he's not coming back? Mm, they probably won't rush it as much as they probably would if they were down 0-2. Mm-hmm. As far as other series, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I think he goes seven. Um. Yeah, I agree with the, with the Milwaukee Toronto. Um, it's really going to come down to if Toronto's defense can outplay Milwaukee. And I'm a since everybody's talking about Game Seven and stuff like that, I'm gonna go on a limb. Um, I'm actually gonna pick Toronto in six. Ooh. I I think that once they figure out the scheme and once Kawhi figures out the scheme against um, Giannis, I think that it will help out Toronto tremendously. And to be honest, all offense really runs through Giannis. So if Giannis is being stopped and being handled by Kawhi, where's the offense is going to come from? And if the offense doesn't show up, if the other players don't step up, like Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, um, Brooke Lopez, if they don't step up in this series, then it's going to be a short series. So I got Toronto in six. Um, Because... Even though Piao Sakam, I think Piao Sakam matched well against Giannis. Not saying that he's going to stop completely dominate and stop him, 
I think he'll match well against them. Um, as far as the Golden State-Portland series, I got Golden State in five. And the reason why I got Golden State in five is because Portland is at this well, – against this team, they are solely missing Nursic. Um, yeah, Nur Durkic, their center. Um, I love Enos Cantor. I think it was a great pickup for them. Um, they needed the offensive rebounding. They needed the rebounding in general. And he's played tough, but defensively, he is a liability. And if him and Dame, especially, we don't know how Dame is. If he's not at 100%, I don't see them. They can't have the same performance they did like they did in game one, bottom line. And if they're not picking up one um, Splash Brothers in mid-range shooting and three-point shooting, it's no chance. No chance. They have to step up on their defense. So I, I believe they're going to get one game at home. But I think that Golden State has enough to close it out without Kevin Durant. Yep. But if if Portland Portland wins, Portland needs to win game two. Definitely. If they don't win game two, it's a wrap. Whether it's going to be in five or six, I still think six. But if they can't win game two, it's a wrap. I agree. Uh, I doubt, you know, with the firepower that Golden State has, that if they're down 2-0, I'm not saying they couldn't come back and win game three. And I'm not saying that they couldn't come back in game four and scare the hell out of Golden State enough to where Durant says, you know what, I need to come in up 3-1 and play this game, you know, game five so we can close this out. So I, I can see that. Um, I think Dame Dollar and, and Al, I, I agree with you. I think there is something wrong with Dane. You know, I think that he did grab at his hamstring there in the first in that in that first game, and he might be dealing with some issues and just trying to play through it. And that's why he's delegating uh, so much of the responsibility to other players on the team. I think I saw a stat yesterday, somewhere through the third quarter, Dane had only taken five shots, <laughs> and you know. That's not typical Dame to go out there and only take five shots. I'm not saying that he couldn't take five shots. But if you're the star of that team and that's your team, you know, he he would take a little bit more shots. He'd probably take some efficient shots, but he's not going to sit there and just take unnecessary shots when he doesn't necessarily have to, especially when other players are playing big. So this game, too, is going to be really, really crucial uh, to determine, you know, where Portland is in this particular series. Um, so it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know if the finals, once both teams have been identified, will bring the drama and the suspense and, uh, that these two conference finals are bringing. But uh, I will say this much, at least as somebody new from the Eastern Conference Finals, that's all I can say. You know? <laughs> not, not that I was pissed off that it was the Cleveland – go to state finals for three years in a row, but it is refreshing to see somebody else. That's why I was so disappointed. And I called that. I called that, that once KD went down, that they weren't going to win this series because they bitched up Houston bitches. You know, they went there and, 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 and totally, totally dis. Yeah. It's such a disappointment. D'Antonio got to go. They just need to blow that joint up. You know, obviously, what, what they're having with – sorry that I had to switch gears off the uh, 
the, the conference finals, but you know. No, 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 it's, it's good because we really never really talked about, we talked about, um, we talked about Philadelphia and we talked about that. So it only helps that we talked, and we talked about Denver. We didn't, did we really talk about the Boston series? Because we, are we? Okay. All right, so then we haven't touched on Houston, and that's right. Right, Houston. the The owner said it all in that rant he did after that game. He pretty much summed it up, saying, "In so many words, we ain't gonna fire Dan Antonio right now, but Dan Antonio is gone. He's he's all about Harden getting Harden the championship. I don't know if having Chris Paul is the answer." Not to say he's not a great point guard. I'm just saying, I don't know. Something about that squad ain't right. They're going to have to tear it down and build it back up. And I don't know how they're going to do it with what coach, but they are such such a disappointment. You know, you have, you have a team that when they were healthy and Golden State was healthy, you took three out of four games. But you try to tell me when KD go down, you have two t- two games, two times to try to, to redeem yourself and make it on to the next round. You couldn't take it. You, you couldn't make it happen. Yep, it got to get blown up. Sorry. <coughs> they they got in their own heads. <laughs> I, that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> I to be honest, I completely agree. Um, Clint Capella. This only, this is on you. Um, for all that talk that you was talking about, this is what the team that you wanted, and you couldn't even do that with KD going down. So I'm not even. To be honest, I can't say anything in in regards to that. Like this is the team that you guys wanted to face. Granted, you know, y'all did what y'all did with the players that you had, but there was no show improved there, not at all. So. I mean, I understand that the NBA now is at a point where there's no there's no inside presence whatsoever. You know, it's pretty much three point line and drive to the drive to the hole. You know, if 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 there ever is a dominant center or somewhere some dominant post player that's that's alive or around that's going to come in and change the face of the game. I don't know if it's going to happen anytime soon because even Zion, you know, they're they're praising him, but he's that unbelievable freak that can go out there and do whatever. But he he hasn't even really showed a low post game. So if any if if there's a kid out there, you know, you're nine ten years old and you're sky high and taller than everybody else on your team, and you develop a post game and you be that dominant dude in the post. You have a guaranteed spot in the NBA once you come out of college, man. You do one or two years, you get in the spot. You don't necessarily have to shoot threes all the damn time, man. You sometimes, if you make enough twos, you could beat a team that takes threes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I, I'm just tired of this whole mantra. I, I blame Steph Curry. <laughs> you blame Steph Curry on that one. I mean, because Steph Curry, Steph Curry made. Making threes like, like he's making all these ridiculous threes, and and these are what the kids are seeing. <laughs> you know, so like the game is changing. You know, I'm not mad at stuff because that's his craft. That's what he's supposed to do. In the same sense that you you got seven footers out here that believe that they should be taking threes all the time, man. Stick the long ball. Stick the long ball. 
I don't know if the game is being destroyed or or is this a different breed or I'm just getting old. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. <laughs> We're getting old, man. It's, he said the game is being destroyed. <laughs> getting old as dirt, man. We all getting old as dirt, man. It's, those days are long gone. Hey, thank, you, thank you, David Stern. <laughs> Hey, but you still got some people there. You got like Ben Simmons, who have yet to make a three-point shot. The career that he's been in Philadelphia, so he has he's attempted what maybe less than ten three-pointers in what all of his career. So he's been, and he's been in the league what maybe three or four years now. Yeah, but he's the anomaly. <laughs> he can't. He can't even hit a ten footer, let alone a three. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Get rid of that. Get rid of that Kardashian. I guarantee his game. His game improves. Hold on, hold on. Ben Simmons is with the Kardashian. Oh, that that, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> that explains it. God, I mean, they they just destroy careers. But you know, I'm not here to talk gossip. But <laughs> you're gonna have the women people all upset now. Well, <laughs> I started, so they're probably upset with me at this point. So, however, they may not be upset because some people feel a certain kind of way, but it's neither here nor there. We can move on. <laughs> so, taking a step forward now that we've uh, seen the NBA draft lottery and we understand that now the New Orleans Pelicans has the number one pick, Memphis has the number two. New York has three, LA to four, and I believe I don't know who has the five off the top of my head. But the top four is most important. Do you see now New Orleans having the number one pick? Do you believe that they'll still trade Anthony Davis, or do you think they they will try their best to kind of keep Anthony Davis and try to build around Anthony Davis with the number one pick in the draft? You can go first, Al. To be honest, and we've been having these conversations on um, back and forth via the chat um, in that regard. Um, if I'm David Griffin, and I think David Griffin is an excellent GM, um, one well, very well respected out in the NBA. Um, I agree with what some of the other people were saying in regards to he should just wait it out. Um, he doesn't really have to trade right away. He could wait till the trade deadline um, after this season and then go after whoever he wants to get. Um, see, do his best to try and talk with AD to see where he's at now because his thought process may have changed after get you know after them now in the number one pick now. So I would definitely pick Anthony Davis's brain just to see where he stands, see if he still wants to go. If he does want to go, I may not trade him right away. I would still utilize him, um, not give him like 10 minutes a game. I would definitely see, you know, utilize him and build towards that and wait until the trade deadline. If he's still ready to, you know, still want to go, still going to plan to leave, then you'll say, okay, we'll take up offers and then take it from there. I think that doing it right now would be a quick rush to judgment at this point. And to be honest, Dave, I mean, yeah, David Griffin has all the cards in his hands at this stage. Uh, I, I think they're going to make every effort to try to get him to stay. Um, but I think his mind is already set and his bag is already packed. Um, David Griffin just got there. So, you know, he's one of going to, he wants to get his opportunity to try to make his pitch for him to stay. Um, 
the fact that the team was only playing them, what, 20 minutes per game for like the last month or so after the whole, you know, Lakers debacle um, proves to me that uh, I think they will eventually cut bait with him. I think if he goes in there and just tells them straight up, hey, look, I would like to be traded. You can trade me now and get some value for me now, or you don't trade me and you don't get as much value or you don't do anything at all, you lose me for nothing. I don't think they're going to let him walk for nothing. Um, I think if he's dead set, if, he, if they talk to him before the draft and he says straight up he's not resigning, and I think he probably needs to make that known ahead of time. And if I'm, if I'm the Pelicans, I would try to see if I can get a trade with maybe the, maybe the Knicks. Over. They're not, not going to send them to L.A. They, they, L.A. will have the better pick and the better package to send, but I think that bridge is burned. I could be wrong. Now you have, you know, David Griffin in there, a different voice, but the ownership is still there, and I think those bridges got burnt real bad this past season. I'm just having a hard time seeing them walking back to the L.A. Lakers. Let's, let's rekindle this trade now, but – people are there, new GM on both sides. I mean, maybe things would be, you know, different, but it's still the process of seeing like the acquiescing to LeBron James and uh, Maverick Carter. And I think that's what stuck in the crawl more so than whatever Lakers are doing. It was that piece that made them feel like they was trying to run the league and engineer a trade to, to um, AD going there. And that's why when we were texting back and forth, Al, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Ellie has the better assets, and they can probably package in the number um, the number four pick. They can probably um, put in Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, but I don't think they want Brandon Ingram. LeVar Ball, I don't think they want LeVar Ball. They can, or maybe they can take some future picks, but I would probably put in – they can put in the, the number four and um, Kyle Kuzma – but I don't think the um, the Pelicans are going to do business with the Lakers. Um, I agree. I, I have a strange feeling that I don't know. Um, I've read an article on Bleacher Report. You know, they were talking about the best possible trade destinations. Of course, it was LA, New York. New York had two different trade possibilities. The one that kind of stuck out in my mind was the. Toronto Raptors uh, as a possible destination. That's barring if Kawhi stays, you know, and then they're trying to trade some assets to get AD up in Toronto. Now, that's an interesting scenario because it's almost like it almost kind of takes you retro to when uh, Duncan was playing in San Antonio in a small market a small market team, and you're putting AD up on a small market team in Toronto with the Kawhi, that's potentially dangerous. You know what I'm saying? And you don't necessarily have to have a big three. And if, I mean, if you keep a Lowry, then boom, you have your big three. And then you really just got to surround them with some low-priced talent. And I think Toronto has plenty enough of low-priced talent. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm very curious. Who would they take – who would they offer? Who would Toronto offer in that right, regard? Like, do let's, let's I go just, to the videotape. Uh, okay. Let me go back to the videotape here. Let me uh, pull it up. Give me one second. 
I, I thought it was very intriguing. I kind of just skimmed over it. Um, they said, okay, Toronto Raptors, they receive Anthony Davis. New Orleans, New Orleans Pelicans receive OG Anobi, Pascal Sycum, mm. Serge Ibaka, and a 2021 first-round pick, top three protection. Toronto would never do that. No. Toronto would never do that. Never. And that just shows that that's someone that is just putting something out there. Toronto would never do that. Not with Piao. Nah. Mm-mm. To be honest, Piao Sockham is the. I'm not saying he's that good, but I'm saying Piao Sockham has the potential to be somewhat of what AD is. Yeah. Serge Ibaka, I can see. The other yeah. guy, I could see. But um, Piao Sockham, he has too much upside. I don't think he want to. Yeah. Give that up. Yeah. And then, okay. All right. I, 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 I can swing with that. All right, all right. So you wait. You got the list up in front of you. Yeah. All right. All right so let's just let's can we do a quick round robin and go through that whole list of trades that possible trades that they have? All right. Well, we'll just we're quickly with Boston. Boston get eighty. New Orleans received Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, the number twenty pick, the twenty twenty first round pick via Memphis, top top six protection in twenty twenty and unprotected in 2021. If I'm if, if, if Kyrie ain't staying, no. <laughs> no, what who would you think make would like out of you think that Boston would make that trade in a heartbeat? I mean, but they got Terry Rozier. I mean, Terry Rozier. I'm going to be honest, if I'm the Pelicans, I'll take that deal. I'll take okay. that deal in a heartbeat. Something like that to get both Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, but the two picks first round for Anthony Davis, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Because, well, if you think about it, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Zion Williamson, that's a team for the future. Question is with Danny Ainge, with his shrewd ass do that deal. Yeah, I don't see Danny Ainge doing that either. But I, if I'm the Pelicans, I'll jump on that with a heartbeat. Yeah. All right. L.A. Lakers. Anthony Davis, of course. Pelicans receive Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, the number four pick, and a 2022 first-round pick. Easy as pie. They'll do it. Who? The Lakers will do it? Yeah. To be honest, they should have pulled the trigger when Magic was there. Then it's pretty much the damn the same thing. Yeah, but here's the difference is that first round pick is the difference now. Like you don't have nobody that can easily. If you get rid of AD, like who was going to be your building block going forward? Of course, you would have Kyle Kuzma and on um, Brandon Ingram, but you didn't have that star power. You have now star power with Zion Williamson. So. Regardless of the fact, you know, this whole AD thing was the Pelicans getting number one pick kind of makes AD expendable. Yeah. Like if you bring back a lot of young talent with Zion, you're building that team with a future. And you have a good team because Ingram is who he is. Kyle Kuzma is Zion. And then you get Lonzo Ball, you know, not saying that he would, you know, but there's potential there. 
And with the so, right coach, who knows? So all you're saying pretty much is uh, that this is just the Lakers in New Orleans because then they still have Randall at the five. <laughs> so you're just surrounding them with all old Lakers in the Zion Williams. So this is just the Lakers squad playing in New Orleans. This is well, what the Lakers could have been. Yeah. I mean, the only difference would be is they got a draft pick that's number four where in the old draft format, they might have been 14. Not as enticing as number four. Right. I mean, they have the pieces there. Like, if you make that trade, you got – I mean, you still have um, Drew Holiday at the one. You have Lonzo – you can have Lonzo at the two. Ingram, Zion, Kyle Kuzma. Like, however you want. There's so many different pieces there. So many young talent that you can build. And they're all on rookie scales for the most part. Still got Kyle Kuzma on a rookie scale. You got Lonzo on a rookie scale. You bring in Zion on a rookie scale. Like, that's not really, you know what I'm saying? That's not bad at all. Right, right. That's enticing. Very enticing. So the Knicks have two versions. (laughs) I definitely love to hear this. Version one, obviously, Anthony Davis. The Pelicans received Damian Dotson, Kevin Knox, Frank, Nic- Frank Nic- Nicolina, Dennis Smith Jr., the number three pick, 2020 first-round pick, and 2021 first-round pick. Mm. Mm. See, the Kevin Knox, in my opinion, the Kevin Knox – and Dennis Smith Jr. is the one piece that if I'm the Knicks, I would be a little hesitant to let go. Frank Nicola, whatever his name is, you can let him go. Kevin Knox. And this is contingent that they get Kyrie and, and Kevin Durant, I'm assuming. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I... He, I could see them doing that, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be all that quick to give up Dennis Smith Jr. But he's a point, right? Correct. Yeah. And we all know that this is the year that Kyrie hurts his knee. Kyrie, let's come on. Kyrie ain't a damn point. He's a he's a he's a two. You know, in, in a in a point guard's body. So let's put him where the fuck he needs to be at. Put him in a two. <laughs> and let's stop and let's stop playing with everybody's damn emotions. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you, but I still think you're gonna hurt his knee. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> All right. So Nick's Nick's part duh. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Before you get to that point, uh-huh. if I'm the Pelicans. I would look hard at those first round picks because well, the, first, the 2020 first round pick is just the 2020 first round pick, which will probably be a late round pick because I don't think that if the Knicks do end up getting Kyrie and, and, and KD, they're probably playoff now. I don't know. But that's all That's all factoring if they get KD and Kyrie. If they don't get right. KD and Kyrie and it's just Anthony Davis there, they're going to be in a worse position with what they have. And that yeah, – go ahead. Well, let me premise this, that the next, the next thing it says that when this trade happens, it states that after the Knicks sign two stars in free agency. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, like I said, this is contingent on that. Right. Correct. So, 
with that being said, the part two, this says when this happens is before the Knicks spend all their cap space. <laughs> so they get Anthony Davis. New Orleans gets Kevin Knox, Dennis Smith Jr., the number three pick, the 2020 first round pick, top two protected, 2020 second round pick via the Charlotte and the 2021 first round pick and the 2023 first round pick, top two protected. So they're betting the farm that they're going to win now and they'd be shitty in, in, in three years. <laughs> and if, if I'm the next, I wouldn't even entertain that that second one. That the first one, I mean, like I said, I I'll be leery about Dennis Smith Jr. But I, that second one is that's giving up way too much down the road. But, but we talking about the Knicks here. I'm the Pelicans, and that second deal was offered. I would take that. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. The Pelicans uh, take it in a heartbeat. But now, since we're since we're all talking about you know Pelicans, this. I mean, let's talk about the rare elephant in the room. Zion Williams did not look pleased at all <laughs> that his ass was going to the his ass might get picked to go to the Big Easy. Um, you know, obviously he was saying all the right things, but you saw a look on his face. He definitely wanted – he was hoping for either to be in L.A. or New York, preferably probably New York, um, but um, definitely um, one of those two markets. So now he's going to get picked by the Pelicans more than likely. Um, I'm just curious because <sighs> New Orleans' record of keeping their top talent there has not been good. I mean, over the last 10 years, Chris Paul there left. Marcus Cousins came there via Sacramento Kings. Hurt. Didn't want to, they didn't want to come back, but he looked like he was going out the door before he got hurt. And you got Anthony Davis. He got two feet out the door. He just can't walk outside. So I'm Zion Williams and I'm seeing all of these stars start here and then eventually leave. And you got Anthony Davis, you know, back and forth or whatever. And he's talking about he's going to leave. And I believe Anthony Davis is going to, is going to get traded or leave on his own court. If I'm Zion Williams, I'm like, why do I want to get picked by there? And what can they do to convince me to bring this small market team up? Because your past record shows that everybody that comes there is running is running the hell out of town. I only got to be consistent. That's it. Think about San Antonio. I mean, is San Antonio a true destination? But yet, for whatever reason, Pop was able to identify good talent and keep the star talent that they had there, keep everybody happy, and they just kept winning. Yeah, but you didn't have people bounce like that. I mean, you didn't see David Robinson run for the hills. I mean, you didn't but see they, them they were, run for the hills. But they were sucky as hell when he was there in the beginning, you know what I mean? <sighs> David Robinson was still good. Tim Duncan was damn good. But I, I get what you're saying. But the track record with New Orleans. <sighs> well, before you get to that point, you have to understand that that was under old management. Right. Um, I truly believe that David Griffin, um, now that he's the GM, is going to right the ship without question. I mean, look at the trust level he has with LeBron and Kyrie um, when he was running Cleveland. They definitely didn't want to see him go when he let, when they fired him. Um, 
they wanted they did everything in their power to try to keep David Griffin and try to get rid of other other people in Cleveland, but unfortunately it was out of their hands. So I, I believe that David Griffin has got the pedigree to write the ship where he can convince people to stay. Um, whether he would do that with Anthony Davis, that's another question. But I think that he convinced others to stay and build off of that. And I think that's all that they're looking for, which is one reason why I think that they're not going to do anything with Zion when he does go to New Orleans. I think that they're going to try and keep him on his rookie scale um, he's going to stay there at least through his, his rookie scale. And whenever he makes that decision of if he wants to play in New York or not, um, that will be in the future. But as for right now, they're going to do their best to try to convince him on his rookie scale to stay in New Orleans and become that permanent fixture there. I would like for him to stay. I mean, I, I agree. The small market's definitely needed. I mean, it doesn't always have to be you got to go to the major markets. There's always have to be running in New York or L.A. or Chicago. I mean, looking at Milwaukee Bucks right now, I mean, you know, the Greek Freak is right there, you know, standing that, you know, team up. So in OKC with um, Durant and, um, yeah, Durant, now you got, you know, Westbrook staying there, you know, Paul George stay there. I mean, it, 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 the league grows when not just your top-tier cities but you know even your mid-majors quote-unquote mid-majors grow well but um it just it was interesting to see zion's face because it looks it, it looked he looked deflated i mean we'll see i mean david griffin is the new gm there but the ownership is still the same at the end of the day the ownership writes checks and if they decide like in cleveland they want to do something totally different He's got to, you know, David Griffiths have to acquiesce to what the ownership wants. And if I'm not, if I'm him, you try to get Anthony Davis to stay, you talk to him. But if he's dead set against, or he's not committal, then they got to get what they can for him right now. I agree. I agree. Especially when the getting is good, especially right there, uh, right before the draft or, you know, slightly after the draft or whenever. Because you're not going to get a better deal if you let them go into the season and then you wait to next year for the trade deadline. You're probably not going to get a better deal than you will right now if you try to move them with before or maybe even after the draft, depending on who picks what. Right. I agree. Well, fellas, I know we, uh, we spent a good bit of time on this year NBA playoffs and the NBA in general. But before we go and call it a call it a night, quickly, as we switch shift gears to the NFL, what's up again, Green? What is, what is going on with the New York Jets dysfunction <laughs> and uh, all this crap that's going on? I I just don't get it. Ah, uh, I don't know. The GM was fired. <laughs> You know, Adam Geist hasn't did shit yet. They only won, you know, a handful of games while he was in Miami. Um, he's the interim GM until they find a new one. The GM brought in Adam Geist. Apparently, I've heard rumors about there was some tug of war as far as, you know, power between those two, a little disagreement with the Le'Veon Bell. I don't know. I don't know. This is this is, this is the New York Jets. <laughs> You ain't never lie, sir. You ain't never lie. 
Well, I'm, I'm reading um, some of the information right now. Um, New York Jets owner Christopher Johnson went on a 13-minute conference call to explain the decision in regards to this. And he said um, that the decision to fire McMahon, McMahon, sorry, on Wednesday, which took place less than five months after the Jets and Colts Todd Bowles three weeks was a decision that involved that evolved and took a while. The owner added that he, as he understood more fully the role in the building, his evaluation of the GM job status changed. So I guess what happened was he said, the more I look, the more I realized that I wanted to move on, Johnson told reporters. It was the only through diving deep into the organization, it was only through going through his particular off-season deeply that I understood how this organization was lacking in certain ways. This isn't a decision that I could have made at the end of the season. I could with Todd. I could not with Mike. So my, my question is... That's some bullshit. Right, exactly. So you're that saying that... That's a bunch of BS. <laughs> so, so what was the point of firing Todd Bowles? Uh, all I can say is, based off of this, it just shows that it was the the synergy between um, Mike. Mac oh no, this is the synergy between um, McCannon and his new coach. That everything was not what he hoped for. So. He didn't say nothing in regards to Todd Bowles, but the reason why he fired him um, and kept McCannon as general manager. That's some bullshit. I mean, we're not going to really get right, right, You ain't got that much time. We're almost done. But all I'm going to say is, like you said, if you're going to let him go, let him go with Todd Bowles. Why are you going to sit there and fire Todd Bowles? Let him pick a fucking coach. Let him go through and pick the damn draft. But then two or three weeks later, oh, I want to fire him. Who did you piss off? Because that's what it sounds like. You pissed off somebody very recently to get your ass fired. Give me a fucking break. If you want to, if the synergy wasn't there, you should have got rid of his ass before the draft. You don't let the GM go through a draft, pick your fucking groceries, got your coach, and then all of a sudden, oh, well, the synergy is not there. I don't like the kind. That's some bullshit. Got the groceries like he got some rotten vegetables at the grocery store. <laughs> what the fuck you saw him come in the house with the groceries and you're gonna give me a break, man? <laughs> like they said that part of the the reason was Gates didn't want to pay that much for running back, but dude, you get Le'Veon Bell to the the upper echelon of running backs. I mean, you ain't gonna get that joker for cheap. God damn it, you the owner. You, you want to got signed up to checks at the end of the day. If you don't want to pay him that money or you don't agree with the, the amount to being paid, say nah. We ain't gonna exactly. Do so obviously you're right. He did something that pissed him off and was like, you know what? You know, crazy. All the New York teams is fucking dysfunctional. We ain't even get into the damn Yankees with everybody being fucking hurt. Hey, hey. Yankees even though they are in second place. Don't, hey, they're doing a whole bunch of less. <laughs> yeah, but hey, that's the whole state of New York right now. So <laughs> it's nothing else can be said about that. Everything is everything is crazy right about now in New York. So, but they're very hopeful. I will give you that. New York fans are very hopeful. Like before, it was 
yo, we tanking to get Zion. Don't worry. Now it's like, don't worry. We're going to get KD and Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll come back to right now. <laughs> we'll come back to the mechanics of the NBA draft because you can, everybody can be mad, but you can think all this on the Philadelphia 76ers because they are the ones that caused this and that damn process. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And they got, and they got lucky. I mean, think about it. Like, everything has been such a disappointment, whether it's this with the New York Jets, with the Giants and them with their draft. <laughs> if it's not the Knicks and what happened with the draft lottery, it just seems those like New York can't win at nothing at this stage. And the, and the Mets, they are damn disappointed. <laughs> hey, they're the Mets. <laughs> I know this sounds crazy. And I hate to switch back to the NBA, but I'm just real quick. Being that we know what Ben Simmons is right now, did the Sixers panic and trade Markel Fultz too quickly? No. 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 Okay. And to be honest, we have still yet to see what Markel Fultz can do. So I, I agree. It's still to be determined with that. Okay. All right. Well, fellas, it's always a pleasure. You know, we, we hit up on time. Uh, because we could easily talk for hours uh, talking about these things. But, you know, as the NBA playoffs pushes on to the championship, you know, to the finals, and and pretty soon we're going to be in OTAs, we'll, we'll, we'll have plenty of uh, fodder to sit there and uh, play around with and go into the great depths. You know, and I'm definitely looking forward to, to see the, uh, the NBA moves up, be coming up shortly. But with that being said, uh, where can folks find you? if they have any questions, concerns, or they just want to cuss you out because you, you say the New York team suck. <laughs> well, I'm a, New York, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong Giants fan, and yes, right now I, I'm looking at the glass half full instead of half empty. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you can find me on um, Snap, uh, Snapchat, Twitter, and the Gram, J.E. Ross, the number seven. And – there's no mention about my Brooklyn Nets because they're in Brooklyn, so we don't carry that New York name, so to speak. But you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am our Qualls again. Twitter and Instagram. I am our Qualls. And you can find me on uh, on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. Well, fellas, once again, I'd like to thank you for uh, yet another another great chat talking about what's going on in the world of sports and with that being said I bid everybody a, a, a do and a farewell and a blessed rest of your week and a, and a fun weekend and we look forward to chatting again come next week take care deuces <laughs> one <laughs>